Okay. So you've been playing Assassin's Creed for a week. Yes. I have been. I got the gold edition. And so we're just skipping over Erin. No, we'll come back to her. Okay. <laughs> she need, can't stop laughing. We need some time to give her to stop laughing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I went and picked up the gold edition last week and I've been playing it. And oh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I studied Greece like crazy when I was a kid and learned everything I possibly could about it. Uh, so it just feels like my childhood is back. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just wonderful, except now I'm actually in Greece, virtually. <laughs> it's good enough for now. Eventually I will someday go there. But uh, Cassandra is great. I, uh, I love her. She's got massive arms, and that's that's been really cool. Uh, I'm unsure about Alexios. So far, his I've heard his voice a little bit, and... I hope he's just putting on a weird voice right now. <laughs> I hope he's not like that the whole game. But I haven't like seen him much, so I can't say much about that. But between the two of them, who would you say is the superior choice? <clears throat> Cassandra. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you play as her? It kind of weirds me out when I look, look at other people's pictures on the map. How many of them are playing as Alexios? I'm like, why aren't you playing as Cassandra? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, You have the opportunity to play as Cassandra. Mm-hmm. She's really cool. And her voice is fantastic. Okay, the voice actress they got for her. <clears throat> ah, her voice is so good. It's kind of deeper, and I really, really like it. When I first heard it, the very very first time she said anything, I was like, whoa. I was not expecting her voice to be that deep. Mm. But then she said like two more words after I thought that, and I was like, okay, I can't imagine her voice being like anything else. I love this so much. <laughs> So I'm really, I'm really loving it. The combat is really nice. I had a lot of trouble with it at first. It was a bit like with Origins. Um, in Origins, I, I sucked at fighting for the first like 20 hours for some reason. I don't know why it took me so long. But then I took a break from it and I beat Dark Souls and then I went back and then I was really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. For some reason. <laughs> Actually, it was from playing both Dark Souls and God of War, I think. Because it's got a similar button scheme with the the um, bumper and the trigger being the attack mm. buttons, but um, with Odyssey it was kind of similar. It was a bit of a struggle at first, and then once I kind of caught on, and I just it just became really smooth, and now it's fantastic. And using the Spartan kick is so satisfying. I have to do it like 20 times every battle. <laughs> as much as I possibly can. It makes me really happy. Mm, my biggest complaint right now is the romance is really thin. I'm hoping it kind of changes later. Okay, but has Assassin's Creed ever done a good romance? No. But they've never before <laughs> done one where like you could actually choose... To like enter a romance before it was like oh this is written into it and like I mean there's been some no actually they have done a good one I remember the best one in any Assassin's Creed <clears throat> game was Evie and Henry in Syndicate that was adorable it made me so happy I was really hoping it was gonna happen from like the start of the game as soon as they met I was like ooh, I see Aww. some sparks <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like 
it like slowly built up and it was super cute. I accidentally triggered one of the scenes early and then it was really awkward for a little while, but <laughs> overall it was really cute and great. <laughs> so no, they did, they did it well. Oh, okay. And Origins, it would have been good if they didn't decide to just like screw it up. They like just sort of decided, okay, we actually had a good romance. Let's let's really quick let's throw a wrench in it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And I was like, great. <clears throat> I've been also playing the DLC Curse of the Pharaohs, and I played the other one before. And what is it called? The Hidden Ones. And they have a little bit more interaction with Aya and Bayek in that one. And I'm like, see guys, why didn't you just like not screw this up? Because it it it's so cute. Like. I don't know. But anyway, the romance in, in Odyssey, it just kind of feels like the romance in Saints Row 4, except it's not being satirical. So like, <laughs> in Saints Row 4, you can romance anyone on your team, but you just like basically walk up to him and go, want a boink? And they're like, yeah. And that's how it feels. <laughs> except they're like serious about it. They're like, oh, yes. We shall boink and we shall be merry. And it's like, and then you never talk to him again. It's really awkward. I'm like, okay. So, you know, maybe smooth talker. I know, seriously. It shall be merry. I mean, there's some that are thrown in there for laughs that are really just like, they're they're just there to be funny yeah but then there's some where it feels like they meant it to be serious and i'm like it ha it feels exactly the same as the funny ones <laughs> so i'm hoping that that'll change maybe there'll be a romance thrown in later that actually has some meaning behind it i wouldn't hold your breath yeah <laughs> or maybe they'll put in a patch <laughs> a romance patch <laughs> just so it doesn't suck so badly they got so much backlash that they're like we need a patch guys we need, some, <laughs> we need this DLC that's like basically a romance novel. I know <laughs> so there was a bit where you found a place where you were like this is the cave of many oh. lions like and I thought back to Origins when you found that beautiful town that had been reclaimed by God's creatures. Was the that? kitties. And it was little stray kitties everywhere. There's like 30 kitties just yeah. living in this little ghost town. And there's this <laughs> kind fantastic. of cute thing where like, by can just kind of crouch down and like pet the kitties. Yeah, they'll all circle around him and like, Aww. they'll rub his legs and they'll <laughs> pet their head and stuff. And I took a picture with him and a bunch of the kitties. So, <laughs> in Odyssey, when it said Cave of Many lions my first thought i got super excited i was like you should go in there it's probably a bunch it's probably a feral colony of cute little kitties like in origins so i ran in there all excited and a lion attacked me <laughs> and then another lion and I mean, another one it turns out that it just really meant lions <laughs> and i was like oh no and thankfully i got off my horse to do that or else it would have been even worse phobos oh. just gets killed <laughs> in the first two seconds because I got the one that's good for traversal and not for fighting, so he dies as mm -hmm. soon as he gets hit. And how are you doing in the, is it the mercenary rankings? Oh, I'm yeah. number 25 now. I'm the 25th mercenary in Greece. Yes. Out of 45. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like the mercenaries are kind of interesting, like they have their own personalities and stuff. Yeah. And you met the one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice one. Was, I think his name was Nicholas the Nice. <laughs> and I like walked by and as I was specifically searching him out because he was a rank above me and I was like, I'm gonna kill this guy and take his, take his spot. 
And I walked by him and he goes, hello, mis tios. And like, he's all nice to me, which is weird because they're usually like, go away. <laughs> or they'll like swear at me or like, you know, stuff like that. Or tell me that they're, they're, I'm lucky there isn't a price on my head or they'd be after me. Um, but this guy was just like, hello. And so I felt kind of bad, but I killed him anyway. Because <laughs> I had to. And then I looked at his thing and it says that he was Nicholas the Nice because he was a nice guy. And that he was mad at all the other guys who were getting all the girls. So he decided to go kill them all. And it says at the bottom of the thing, he decided to do this instead of working on making himself a more desirable person. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> like, oh, he's one of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Friend zone one too many times. <laughs> hey, calm down. Maybe there's a reason. <laughs> Uh, the mercenaries are fun though. Mm. They'll like chase you all over the place if you have a bounty. And they can kind of track you so they can like get into the the like range of where you oh, are. Man. So I've been like hiding inside of wells before, like <laughs> big holes in the ground or like in a tree. Like <laughs> up somewhere high, I'm just like watching them. Like maybe they'll forget I'm here. <laughs> it's pretty fun though. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. Let's circle back around to Aaron now. Okay. <laughs> so Aaron. <laughs> Well, so I talked about it a lot last week, um, but I just beat Spider-Man. Not only did you beat it. I platinumed it. Yeah. It's my first platinum. (laughs) Yes, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Yep, it was beautiful. Everything about it is perfect, and you feel like a... (laughs) a graceful acrobat as you're swinging about and doing flips and fighting people and it's it's lovely i just love it i love it so much um but on we got we recently went to lake powell and during some of our downtime um i had brought the nintendo switch and i finally beat the story of super mario odyssey nice and that game is unlike any Mario game I've ever played. I've heard people say, well, I've, you know, I've had so much Mario in my life that I'm just kind of like, eh. But it's like a brand new experience. Like, no other game I have ever played before. Like, there's enough classic throwbacks in there that it's, like, fantastic and nostalgic. (laughs) But there's so much freedom. Like, I just, (laughs) I pretty much went through the whole game with my mouth open, like, oh my gosh, I can do that? That's so cool. Like, every time I went to a new world, my mouth was just like, ah, just popped open. And I was like, this is beautiful. So So this was the Mario game for you. It was the Mario game for me, yes. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it's fabulous. Everyone should play it. I love it. I I played it a lot this weekend, actually, Mm. also. Um, I haven't played a Mario game since 64, Oh, so wow. <laughs> I was I was really hesitant to get it before mm. it came out, but then I like saw pictures and video of it and stuff, and I was like, that reminds me of '64 so much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and get it. And I was so happy that I did. Oh yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It, I can't even stress how amazing it is. Just all the things that just surprised me, but in a wonderful <laughs> um, way. Like I was, like I was in a I don't know. I can't talk right now. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, I was a baby opening my eyes for the very first time. <laughs> Aww. 
it's a new experience and it's a lot of fun, but it also has that sort of nostalgia mm-hmm. of like being a Mario game in yeah. the first place. Yeah. 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 It was a That's great cool. blend. I think a lot of it was the new platform too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That helps. Know. Oh yeah. Like I've been playing uh, <clears throat> Sonic on my Switch. And mm-hmm. it's and it's got a similar sort of thing where like it's you know, it's an old game. It's a game it's one of the first games I ever played. Yeah. I think. But playing it again on like this new console it just feels new again and it's exciting all over again mm-hmm. i totally get that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah you should probably get odyssey it's really fun mm-hmm. yeah odyssey. i'll think about and it assassin's creed odyssey <laughs> all the odysseys all the odysseys. Get them. I just and all these. the origins <gasps> assassin's creed origins and dragon age origins Play Dragon Age Origins at least a little you bit. Play it again. Yeah. The Alistair Romancing Simulator. <laughs> I was gonna do Actually, that for me, one, it's also though. the Leliana Romancing Simulator <laughs> and Morrigan, just not Zebron. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay. Don't tell without without giving any spoilers away. Just tell me which romancing option is the saddest. Like like overall, okay, okay. The it, it depends. Probably Morrigan's. Okay, I'll um, do that one then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's certain things you can do to make Alistair's sadder. Um, way sadder, actually. There's there's some things you can do. Okay, just write down a list of choices but like without spoilers, and I'll just go from there. Morgan's <laughs> has, like, sort of some betrayal aspects, whereas Alistair's just has, like, openly weeping See, aspects. See, I'm, I'm not as much... <clears throat> betrayal doesn't really do it for me as much as just, like, as just, like, circumstances want to completely screw us over in particular. You know? Like, like one of my favorite OTPs of all time is Guts and Casca, mm-hmm. where it's like they got this one happy afternoon together, then, and then it was just like, and now you suffer forever. Mm. Then, um... <laughs> Then you'd, you'd want to go with Alistair. And you'd probably <laughs> want to play as like an elf or a dwarf or a mage. And then make him king and then take him along in the last battle. Okay. My game that I played this week was Hellblade. Yes. Then it was Sacrifice. I have really been looking forward to playing this game for a while. I didn't know a lot about it besides um, that you play as this girl, Senua, who is schizophrenic. And she's hearing these voices and that the voices were presented in a very, I'm going to say, responsible way. That was what I'd heard, at least. I actually have kind of avoided looking at reviews or any sort of critical analysis of it or anything because I think I want to, like, write my own and kind of do my own research and my own thoughts on it. And now that I finished it, and I also platinumed it, mm-hmm. um, which is really easy to do. <laughs> there's actually only like there's actually only like one um, achievement that you don't that you that you have to go out of your way to like fulfill. The rest of it just happens when you finish the game. I haven't gotten it because I missed one of the lore stones. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um, I didn't miss one of the lore stones. Like all of them, mm-hmm. um, but. And for me, it was a really, really good experience. And it was a good experience in that, like, I did weep openly a lot, especially <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> um, and I I don't have... Well, okay, I have a history of struggling with my own mental health. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to play this game. And, you know, nothing to the level of what Seno is experiencing... But 
it's one of those situations where even if they have even if they have purposefully taken circumstances um, in her life and with her condition to the extreme, some would argue, it still feels authentic um, for for people on a lot of different levels. And like I there was only one time in my life when I ever when I was ever experiencing like actual hallucinations, uh, mostly auditory, but a few visual and and it it really it really took me back there but like in a in the best possible way like it was a very cathartic experience if that makes any sense and it was really an interesting game to play through and I kind of don't want to say too much because mm-hmm. I think it's a short game yeah you know it's it's only I think I, I think it took me like maybe not even eight hours you've already almost beaten it a second time and yeah and started it like the, and the like second last week and the second playthrough that I'm doing is so fast. Yeah. Like I just and it's yeah, it's a very it's a very quick game. It's a tight story. Um and it's just kind of to talk a little bit, not so much about the emotional as- journey of finishing it, which is kind of intense. Um but just about the actual gameplay. I really like the way it's put together. Hmm. Like it's um it's basically like kind of just a walking simulator, <laughs> like, um, but with all these puzzles uh, thrown in, and then there's these occasional bouts of of fighting, and it's very like it's very like hack and slash fighting. But like they do they and I I've heard some people compare the fighting to other games, and I don't really know that it feels like anything else to me that I've played before. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of puts the choices into your hands where it's like, here are your distinctive buttons that do these things and you can combine them in these interesting ways and now go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, like, that's kind of nice. It, it's not just, like, it's it's not the sort of fighting style where you can just mash one button over and over again and you'll be fine. Yeah. Like, that will not work out for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you do have to kind of understand their movements. You have to figure out the timing. You have to make some active choices, and it feels um, it feels like you're in it. It feels like you have a, a lot of control, which is nice, and mm-hmm. it feels very smooth. It's a good fighting system, but it's also like there's not a ton of fighting just mm-hmm. in the game. Um, in fact, there's a there's a long stretch in the middle where you can't fight <laughs> at all, and they, it kind of goes into. Um, I think it was you who pointed this out and I hadn't thought about it this way, but it's like you go through these different sections and it's like, it's almost like you're going through four different types of survival horror games yeah. in mini. You've got like the, the one that's sort of a puzzly kind of game with horror elements and then you've got the stealthy Yeah, horror. kind of a stealth And then you've got the more like action one where you're like running from that creature that's yeah, on fire. Yeah, that was, I like immediately went back into my Outlast brain. Yeah, it's like Outlast where I'm like, I'm being, I'm being chased by Chris. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and then uh, you've got the one that's in the catacombs that's a bit like a, it's like the kind of survival horror where you're mostly not sure what's there. Like, it's a bit like PT, where yeah. it's like, you know that there's something there. And you know that there's a most pattern of the time, you have to go through. Yeah. But most and... of the time, you're like, you're not worried that it's like right behind you. You're just trying to find your way yeah, through it's, this place. It's, it's like the focus is on your environment and on how that is changing yeah. and how that's affecting you rather than on any sort yeah. of distinctive threat. And Although, I, I guess remember... in PT, there is Lisa. It's just that the way that I played PT, I never saw her. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> but like, I can't remember how I put it, 
earlier. Yeah, how, I don't remember either, it, but, but it was. Yeah. I thought that was a really good point, and I hadn't thought of it that way. But this game basically was absolutely perfect for somebody like me, who, like, I got back into playing video games as an adult, partially because I was trying to um, uh, deal with some mental health issues, and the games that I have responded to the most positively have been survival horror and then, you know, these sort of hack and slash fighting games. Yeah. So <laughs> it was very good for me. Basically yeah. my perfect game. Hellblade. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. I think that was a it was a beautiful game. And yeah. I I definitely burst into tears when I finished yeah, it. Yeah, I legit was sobbing. And now to segue into a totally different topic, I really, really did not like Ready Player One. Yeah. Really, I, <laughs> I finally saw it. I put it off for a long time, um, partially because I think some part of me knew this was going to happen. <laughs> it was so hyped all over my Facebook feed. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't read the book. I knew a little bit about what it was about, and it kind of sounded like something I might like. Um, but then all over my feed for months, it was just everybody talking about how this is the most entertaining movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, like, I really hope they were exaggerating now. Yeah. Because that is bleak. <laughs> for, for the, but, like, because, like, I, I mean, it was fine. And I think yeah. that I might have enjoyed the movie and been able to be like, oh, yeah, that was pretty entertaining, if, I, if it hadn't been so hyped up to me. Mm. Um, but because it was hyped up, I was struck while watching it by how mediocre it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I... I, it felt to me like it was sort of continuing this trend of people who don't play games trying to depict what gamers love about gaming and trying to market a piece of media to gamers when they neither understand nor respect it yeah. at all. Like, it definitely felt like that. Yeah. And, I mean, I know that the the point of it was more supposed to be nostalgia of the 80s, like in the book, and then kind of just nostalgia for pop culture in general in the film. But the gaming aspect was a pretty big part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they just got so much mm -hmm. wrong. It's called Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, it's called Ready Player One. <laughs> it's like and they the, got gaming in The there. gaming seems pretty important. And I just felt like every, there was just little things throughout and then a few big things. I mean, yeah. a lot of it was, I mean, first of all, just as a writer, it felt like it had huge structural problems. Yeah. Um, it, when they started off with the voiceover and they kept going with the voiceover. <laughs> was... you, you're not Tim Burton. You can't get away with this. <laughs> I know. Like, why, people don't do voiceover very well no. most of the time. Yeah. Like, usually, if you're looking at a script and there's a voiceover component to it, maybe find a way to not do that. Because <laughs> I can think of a handful of examples where it works. And then They're the rest don't. <laughs> like, yeah, like Tim Burton uses voiceover well. Like in, in Nightmare Before Christmas, it feels like you're being told a bedtime story. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. sort of sweet. And in or, Big Eyes, it feels really good, too. It's it, like In Big Eyes, I don't know what it's it It's like a good framing for the thing. It's because it doesn't give you too much information. Mm -hmm. It just like gives you some information that you could kind of... You could kind of take or leave to still understand the rest of the exactly. story. Exactly, and especially since the information presented kind of feels a little bit unreliable narratory. Yeah. Especially since they introduce the character who's actually doing the voiceover, and you find out that his connection to the story is actually kind of loose. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and he's and he's kind of funny, and um and yeah, I don't know. I felt like I, yeah, Tim Burton actually does voiceover pretty yeah. good, but um there's. Plenty of other examples of where it really, really doesn't work, and I would say Ready Player One is probably 
the best example of what I personally hate about voiceover, mm -hmm. where it's just a lazy way to not like let the narrative tell you what's going on in the story where they're just going to have a person actually physically talk at you and yeah. be like, here's all this information that we couldn't bother working into a scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. I also felt like the references were really poorly done. Mm -hmm. Like they had, they were referencing a lot of stuff that I love, mm -hmm. but they weren't doing anything with it. Yeah. Like, I felt like the thing that bothered me the most about the way they would reference characters and stuff is that they showed a lot of people that had avatars that were famous video game characters. But nobody they does didn't that. seem yeah, they didn't well they didn't seem to get that when you use like a famous character as your avatar in a game, you're still gonna change it as long like if you can change it in any way, you're going to. Like you played Batman Arkham City as like the Batman beyond Batman for like a long time mm -hmm. instead of like the regular Batman. Yeah. And like they'd have they had a ton of Master Chiefs in one scene and they were all like the In the green army armor. Green. Yeah. And I'm like Okay, even Halo lets you change the color of your armor. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you have a bunch of people in, like, pink or yellow or blue yeah. and, like, with different symbols and stuff on them? Mm -hmm. Like, people are going to customize their avatars even if they're playing as a famous character. Yeah. I don't, and that really bothered me. I don't want to go off on it for too much because I actually think I could literally spend a few hours just picking out every little thing about the movie I didn't like. Like, oh my gosh, The Shining. Wait, oh, uh. uh, okay. Mm. <laughs> that was offensive. <laughs> So mad. I, was, I, I was like, Spielberg, aren't you and Kubrick friends? Like, this is, <laughs> this is rude. Um, but, like, there was just some really, really poor, sad moments. And, I don't know, I, I remember joking beforehand. I was like, okay, if I was going to make a movie like Ready Player One and I was going to throw in some gaming references, I would have a scene where, like, they're at the club because, you know, there's a club scene. They showed it in the trailer. It was, it looked, yeah. it was pretty dumb. Um, but, like, you I have... I still don't know what the purpose of that was. Uh, to have a club scene, I think. <laughs> okay. Um, but, like, if it was me, I would have definitely had a moment where, like, in the background, you see Bayonetta hanging out at the bar, being Bayonetta, and then <laughs> Geralt sidles up to her and orders a drink for her. Yeah. Like, yes. you've got to have a moment like that. Because it's like one of those things where you would just sort of, just like a nod to fans, where it's like, not only do we know what we're referencing, but we get what's funny about yeah. the fact, about about some of these crossovers and yeah. why they really would or would not work. Yeah. And like, I don't know, there's little, there was so many opportunities where they could have done something like that. Mm -hmm. And instead, their idea of a clever reference was, oh, look, it's the giant from the Iron Giant. <laughs> and yeah. then a bunch of people in the audience go, I know what that is. And, like, that's their idea of entertainment. <laughs> it's like, I, if I want to le read a list of stuff I like, like, I actually can just go to the TV Tropes page. I do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but. Reference vomit. Yeah. yeah. So. Reference vomit. <laughs> reference vomit, exactly. And, like, I, did, I don't need that. And, okay, my favorite thing about Ready Player One, though, was, um, was, Jenny um, Nicholson's video that she did for of, that was Ready Player One for girls. Yeah. That so was funny. actually amazing. <laughs> I I would I will probably never watch Ready Player One again, but I will watch her video like 
again tonight, maybe. <laughs> like, and, and many times. Because if she made good. a movie out of her list, I would probably watch that. I'd probably watch that too. Like, even just in her short little list that she did, I felt like she packed in more sort of legitimate fan service than uh-huh. this movie managed. Yeah. There's so many things it was such she lazy mentioned that service. I didn't. I didn't know what they were. I know it's because you know, eighties, eighties, and I know you. Well, you no, it was just. I don't know. She talks a lot about about My Little Ponies, and I just don't know anything about those. Yeah, you were kind of more of a Tonka truck girl. Yeah, I was like, I was like Transformers all the way, and you know, freaking. You had the most impressive lab. Hot Wheels selection. Hot Wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really good. It's still somewhere. Good things in its favor. Oh, the soundtrack yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, the soundtrack was good because it was just eighties mm. music. And so, Artemis was she was okay. I think I, it was, a, and age was pretty cool. I think and it was and show. fun to watch once. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a good once through, and then it's like, oh, well, that was interesting and kind of cool. But, I'll yeah. say I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not totally sure why. Part maybe because I enjoyed picking it apart so much, <laughs> and um, maybe because I do feel like it kind of in a way, sort of captures what a lot of pop culture is about right now. Even with the way that it's sort of lazily pandering. <laughs> but but I am happy I saw it. Yeah. You know, and it did, I had a couple of moments where I laughed. I can't remember them right now. Oh, that's right. I remember the part that I liked the most was actually right at the very end. There was this moment where I saw a glimmer where I was like, I know what I wanted this movie to be like. Yeah. And that was when he has his little final, um, I can't remember anybody's name, Wade and the the dead developer. Mm. <laughs> um, they have like this final moment in his um, recreated bedroom with him as a child just playing video games. And he says something like, hey, thanks for playing my game. And it's like this oh, really cute little tender moment. moment. And it made me realize that what I really wanted was for them to like lower the stakes considerably I would have I think I would have loved that story and I mean they're basing it off of a book so you would have had to change you have to change the book to go back in time but I think that I would have as a gamer at least would have responded a lot better to a story that was just kind of like a tighter like low stakes kind of story about a kid trying to beat a very difficult video game that nobody has ever beaten mm-hmm. and in which you know he sort of gets to know these developers on a personal level and maybe i don't know maybe you could you could have done something like it somehow has become a big deal after this guy's death but the fact that he set up this whole gambit that is basically going to determine the fate of the world it makes it it just kind of makes it feel like he's a jerk <laughs> and if, if if his goal hadn't been to like basically pass over the keys to the kingdom to some kid who beats his game if it, like because it is it's like charlie and the chocolate factory kind of story mm. but if it hadn't been that if it had just been you know about the sort of personal journey that you go on when you're completing a game and how you and the developer or you and the creator of this game sort of communicate with each other and get to know each other. I feel like that probably would have been way more effective for me. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I kind of saw that potential at the end, and I actually got like a little teary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that was nice. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, those guys did a good job. It was well cast. Yeah. I'll say that. It, it was, was very well cast. Well cast. I, there was nobody in the film who I was like, oh, screw that guy. Like, they were all, they all did a really good job in, in what they were asked to do. Yeah. 
you know. The worst example, though, was Future Man. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't watch past the first episode because I was just so disappointed. Um, (laughs) But I remember seeing the trailers for it and thinking, I'm so excited to see that. I bet that'll be great. And then I watched the first episode and I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah. It just, no. I feel like that was a, a show that was made for gamers by people who hate gamers. <laughs> yeah. Like, the way that it looked from the trailer, it made it seem like it was going to be mostly serious. With, like, these funny moments in there and, like, lots of, like, gaming culture but with some heart and stuff. And then it was, like... It like like everything that I thought was gonna be serious, they just like chopped out, and it was just the funny stuff, and then it was just like making fun of gamers. Yep. And I was just like, oh. And not even very well. Like mind. nobody can make fun of gamers better than actual gamers. <laughs> um, but I don't think that there were any on the writing staff. Yeah. Because it felt so, like there was just. I knew that it was gonna be bad the second, like early on in the first episode, he beats the game. And, um, and then he doesn't like record himself beating the game and upload it to YouTube. And I was like, well, they don't understand (laughs) anything about games. He's the first person to beat this game. And why wouldn't he immediately like record the last however many minutes he can on whatever that rig is and immediately post it on YouTube and say, I beat this game. I beat the impossible game. You guys, I did it. Like basically what I do. And I don't even like post on anything. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is that they kind of, they were kind of portraying gaming as being something really sort of solitary and sad. No, this is a community thing. This game is famous for nobody having beaten it. If you are the first person to beat it, you're gonna you're gonna tell you're gonna everybody. celebrate with other gamers. You're yeah. not just going to like be sad and alone in, in your room. Yeah. And then when things start to get weird, he also I don't know if maybe they were just trying to say that this guy's an idiot or whatever, but like the thing is is that so much work goes into these games and people who love them, like we know what companies have made them. We know who was on the development team. Like yeah. there were places he could go for answers and like that never came up. It just felt I don't know. It just felt like it was missing large chunks of reality. <laughs> and in, and not in a, it's a fantasy story way, but in a, like, we didn't really think about this or do our research or care mm, kind yeah. of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that was my angry rant about that. <laughs> and now let's get to the adaptation stuff. So the reason that we're talking about this is because, um, uh, well kind of it's just a big time for adaptations but this week the big thing was um brandon sanderson talking about how he would love to give mistborn to cd project red oh Oh. he's so good (laughs) um do so well i actually got kind of excited about that because the thing i remember about mistborn is just the way that the different allomancy powers work i started sort of thinking in my head how you would map that on a controller Mm. and how you would make that happen in the game, and I started to get really super excited to play that. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, there's no guarantee that anything's gonna happen. Yeah, it's I mean, just it was like, just it was just fun to speculate, and so that talk. But like, it would be so cool. It's fun to speculate. There's lots of reasons why it can't happen. There's even some reasons why it maybe even just like straight up shouldn't happen. <laughs> um, but it's kind of fun to speculate. So that's sort of what we're going to do. We're going from 
film adaptations of books to what books we'd want to see as a video game. Because speaking of other media that I think represents gamers well and that feels like it sort of gets the gaming experience, I read a book recently that did a really good job of kind of depicting a character who was a gamer in a way that I felt was very relatable. And it was kind of unexpected because it's this hard sci-fi set on another planet in the future. And the book's called Planetfall. It's by Anna, Emma Newman. And um, it was a I, it was a really good book. It was interesting. It had a lot of it had a lot of sci-fi elements that I feel like I haven't seen in recent sci-fi literature in a while. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say too much about it. It made me very happy. It's <laughs> it's about a woman who has joined a space cult. Um, because her roommate, who she's madly in love with, has become like the said queen of this space cult. And they're flying away to another planet to find God. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> anyway, this character is a gamer. And um, she doesn't spend a lot of time in the books playing a game, but the fact that she plays games keeps coming up um, as sort of explaining how it is that she uh, deals with situations and understands the world around her and also is a kind of coping thing. Um, because she's suffering from some, some mental problems and it, it, it becomes clear that this is part of her coping mechanism, which of course I can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, it was a fun, it was a fun book depicting gamers well, but I also throughout the course of reading the book felt like I could start to see it as a game. And specifically I kind of saw it as like a, a Lisa the Painful type RPG in my head where like it's kind of got these different sections and like these sort of choices that she makes and you kind of want her to make other choices or I don't know you, just the way that you encounter characters and and how they affect you and how they end up hurting you or how they end up helping you and mm -hmm. um so I kind of thought of it that way but then there's also a bit in the story near the end where she kind of has this revelatory moment where she realizes that she's been treating the present situation she's in like it's some kind of an action RPG shooter and she's like it's not it's a puzzle platformer I need to solve this with logic and like she sort of shifts her whole paradigm using games and so I actually felt like if I was going to adapt this book to a game the way that I was sort of imagining in my head the final levels probably would sort of shift that same way where it would like go from being an RPG to more of a puzzling game. And um, then I really, really wanted to play it, but it doesn't exist, so I can't. <laughs> so there's my entry is Planetfall by Emma Newman. And oh, I'm reading the sequel right now, um, um, After Atlas, which is a disconnected story in the same universe. Um, it takes place back on Earth um, from one of a little baby who was left behind. Like his mother decided to leave with the cult and now he's all grown up on Earth. And has to deal with everything that is going on there, and it's not great. <laughs> so, yeah, um, okay. Jensen, cool. Let's go to you. Well, I haven't read too many books, but the books that I have read are the Harry Potter books. <laughs> and as soon as I finished the seventh book, I thought, I want to play an RPG where you wake up. On, and like at Hogwarts near a Death Eater who's been obliviated you don't remember anything and then you kind of have to like rebuild your life and can kind of choose if you want to you know like mend your naughty ways mm -hmm. or if you want to 
find like the other Death Eaters who are hiding in darkness and try to like, you know, do more evil stuff. I don't know. I didn't have like a full plan, mm-hmm. but I just wanted that kind <laughs> of feeling where you're, it's a game in the Harry Potter universe and you're a wizard. It's like a full fledged wizard. But since you've been obliv- obliviated, it's like a, a good reason for you have to like relearn your magic, you mm-hmm. know, but you like, I just like the idea that you're a death eater. Like you made these horrible mistakes in your past and now it's like, what are you going to do with your life now? Mm-hmm. And it's Jason Bourne type yeah. situation. Yeah. But with Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun because yeah. it's magic. And so I've been thinking that for years. I've just, I've always wanted a game like that. And I'm like, there's just, there's just no way that's going to happen. Like, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. But it would be but cool. But it would be so <laughs> fun. So that's that's my interest. I mean, yeah. you could try tweeting J.K. Rowling. I know she's pretty good about responding to yeah. people, but yeah. never know. Does she have any friends in the gaming industry? I mean, they've made all the Harry Potter games, and they made the Lego Harry Potter games. But did she? Did, did, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, this exercise is just all about wild speculation and about what we'd like to exist. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> I really want that, though. It would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. You don't even have a Twitter, do you? No, I don't. Well, actually, I think I do, but I don't remember the password. Especially, it would be really cool if you, like... I don't know. It would just be really cool if you woke up on like, Hogwarts grounds. And, after the battle. Yeah, it's after the battle. There's, you know, auras coming around, picking up all the dead bodies that are still there. just lying there. Yeah, and you have to, like, run and hide and, like... Get away. And get away from the arms. Figure out what you're gonna do. And you got this big old Death Eater tattoo, so it's like you can only hide so much. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you have to maybe that's like your first mission in like the tutorials, you have to get rid of this tattoo. Yeah. That could be nice and gruesome. Mm. <laughs> Flay your arm. Yeah, cut the arm off, grow back later. <laughs> you're a wizard, so yeah. <laughs> you just like leave an arm. But like, there. okay, but like, unless the tattoo's like permanent. I know magic. how how deep is this mark? Like, Actually, does this mark how... do you regrow your arm and it's there again? I know. Okay, okay, like, we're getting is it really connected to your that's soul. What I'm, that's what we I'm don't saying. Really no, we're really getting carried away now. But like, if you're obliviated and you don't remember a lot of stuff, maybe you try it anyway. Mm. And so, like, you chop off your arm and it works for a little while as long as the arm's not there. So, but as soon as you grow it back. The death mark is back, and then suddenly you've got you've got them coming down yeah. on you again. But like, like, see, J.K. Rowling would have to be involved in it because we have no idea if that's what happened. Maybe it really Look, is just like a tattoo really, that moves. Jensen, have you been paying attention to the Harry Potter fandom landscape now? Does anybody really think J.K. Rowling is keeping track of this stuff anymore? She might have an idea about it. I don't think she is. I don't think there's she any might. consistency. I think it's all it's all just it's it's surrealism now. Nagini is some girl. <laughs> I'm actually really hoping that we all to- have totally misinterpreted that. And that really it's that the snake is is like a, the animal equivalent of an uh, animagus. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, why wouldn't there be an animal? Also, it's supposed to be about animals, right? Fantastic beasts and where to find them. Like that's supposed to be the focus. So if, if you want to, I don't know. I just think they could do something interesting with it that's not as weird and vaguely racist. Maybe, maybe it's in reverse. Maybe that scene. And he says, Nagini, and then she turns from a snake to a person. And she's like, why the hell did you do this to me? Yeah. <laughs> because that's how I would write it. I don't know. I would write it like a last unicorn kind of moment where she's like, how dare you? <laughs> I was beautiful. <laughs> now I'm now I'm a person. 
well, okay, she's still beautiful, but now yeah. she's a beautiful person. <laughs> but of course, that's the same thing as in The Last Unicorn, where she's like pissed because she didn't want to be human. Oh, okay, my. this is a lot of stuff that's not video yeah. game. Probably just gonna. <laughs> Although I was gonna say a Last Unicorn video game would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool, as long yeah. as it doesn't have the songs or the tree. Okay, and Aaron has some contributions. Yes. yes. <laughs> Okay, so my first entry is a series called The Ursul Prophecies, mm-hmm. and it's seriously one of the most amazing series I've ever read. Um, I'm on the last book now, and it's fabulous. It's like Lord of the Rings meets Avatar The Last Airbender. What? Like, it's... It's so good, you guys. It's no, so, like so that good. is actually the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like because, blowing my mind. <laughs> because so you have these people with powers. They're called Dimas, and they can control like you know all of the elements. But on top of that, they also have flesh and spirit. Mm-hmm. So for like healing or destroying. Yeah. You know, kind of gets a little gruesome. <laughs> nice. Um, but you know, it's. It's your basic fantasy story. Um, there's an evil god king who wants to destroy the world, and he's trying to part the veil between earth and hell, basically, and let hell consume all of earth. And so there are a lot of religious themes, which are really cool, because, you know, it's got the earth soul, and it's a lot like... Um, our religion in a way like they feel the spirit and promptings and hmm. certain things like that and if they forsake the earth soul then they become um dark and they have to basically force the power from the earth soul using these gems hmm. and that's part of what's destroying the veil and things like that anyway i think that would be a, an amazing video game and, sounds cool um but they're also awesome characters like Seth he's like a blade master and he's like the coolest character ever like so cool and so I think that would so be... there's a lot of potential for good NPCs yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah or even like switching um points of view mm-hmm. around like he mm. does that in the book quite a bit and so that could be really cool yeah when I saw mm-hmm. that you had put this down um like I immediately started thinking kind of similar to Mistborn about how you could utilize the different powers mm-hmm within the game and I think that that would probably on its own be just like endless hours of fun mm-hmm. yeah it would yeah <laughs> it really would mm-hmm. I like the idea so. of shifting between NPCs too if mm-hmm. you did it a bit like Grand Theft Auto where it's like you can like change at any time and like in the middle of a battle too mm-hmm. that could be fun you could like yeah. s- strategize and stuff uh-huh. them. And, like <laughs> That could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think that this is another one that would probably lend itself well to, like, kind of those larger scale strategy missions. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of battles and, you know, it's a large scale war with the whole world. You can even do it, like, a bit like XCOM. Plus hell. Yeah. So it's, like, the overall strategy thing, but then you could kind of, like, take control of one person Mm -hmm. for a bit and, like, fight. I don't know. I'm just... I'm yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> like I loved in Batman when I could play as Catwoman. Like that was one mm-hmm. of my favorite parts ever. Yeah. Um. Anyway, my other entry is total on a totally different vein. <laughs> um. Maybe not even specifically this book, but I did love um, Goose Girl. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that series is called. Um, uh, 
Um, I have had it on my to-read list for years, and my writing group is furious with me for not having read it. <laughs> um, aside from that, I don't know a ton, except that one of the reasons they keep recommending it to me is apparently I wrote some stuff that reminded them of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that, probably. Um, but anyway, it's about this girl. I don't remember everything, so I apologize. This might be a little vague. But she can basically speak to birds, but she also knows the language of the wind. So there are, like, different people throughout this world that know, I don't know, I think they call them speak. Mm -hmm. Like, there's one who knows fire speak and tree speak, and there are some who know, like, human speak, which is, like, the most dangerous one because they can pretty much convince anyone to do anything they want. It's like the dude in the purple suit from Jessica Jones. Did you even watch that? No, but I've heard of him because he's David Tennant. Okay, yeah, I guess it's kind of like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I know he can tell people to do something and they have to do it. Yeah. 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 But anyway, she, she, her parents, she's, yeah, like I said, she's a princess and her parents force her to travel to this other kingdom to marry this prince and, you know, join their kingdoms, that whole spiel. And her lady-in-waiting is super jealous of her, and she tries to murder her on the way there. Like, she has some guards on her side and everything. So she ends up escaping, and she makes it to the kingdom, and she ends up hiding as, like, the goose girl. Like, she tends to the flocks of geese and things like that. Oh, I just remembered. I wasn't the one who wrote the, the bit that was similar to this. It was another girl in my writing group. As soon as you said that, I remembered what it was that was similar, and I was like, I didn't write that. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) But I think it'd just be a fun one, because there's, you know, there's action and adventure, but it's also really cute and heartwarming, and... Well, and it's got the tighter narrative, which I like. (laughs) Yeah, I like narrative-driven games a lot, like, they're Mm. really fun. I'm picturing it as, like, a little, like, indie game kind of a feeling, Mm -hmm. like Two Brothers... Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. I haven't um, that one. It's, it's quite fun. Uh, each each um, joystick controls a different brother, and you have to solve puzzles with the two of them. Uh-huh. It's quite fun. But, um, yeah, I picture it as, like, as like a game kind of like that, with that kind of an art style, and, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of cute. And yeah. With puzzles and, and things. very yeah. sort of character narrative driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, maybe not even specifically that book, but I think we could use more more princess video games. We could, use more, we could honestly use more princess video games. Go out games. on adventures and have lots of romance options. I would, yes. I would Real also ones say, don't suck. Yeah. So that's the thing is, if you want to play a video game where there's romance options, basically you've got dating simulators and that's it. And yeah. Bioware. And, that's, and, those are really... and Bioware, which is basically a dating simulator with other stuff tacked on. Dating Alistair Simulator. But like, um, the dating Alistair Simulator or the dating alien simulator. Yes, Um, all of them. (laughs) All the aliens. No, but I do feel like there's there's a there's a great big gaping hole in my video game experiment experience (laughs) that I can't like go on an actual romance novel Mm. adventure. You know, like why not? Where that's the whole game. It's like a period piece, but like a game. Like you know, I'm the one. Like Pride and Prejudice, the game. (laughs) Yeah, I got my second one. (laughs) 
I'm actually going to go ahead and say that that adaptation would probably not work. It <laughs> probably wouldn't at all. It would probably but you know what I mean? be terrible. Like, I, I like these games that are narrative driven. Mm-hmm. I like these games that are a little bit shorter. And um, I was just telling Jensen, you know, people oftentimes when they're talking about literature will talk about horror and romance as being these polar opposites. But they share a lot of story beats. <laughs> and I like both of them an equal mm. amount. Mm-hmm. I probably watch more horror because, frankly, there's a lot more, like, better made horror out there right now than there is better made romance. We're kind of hurting for good romance right now. <laughs> Adaptations of video games to film slash TV that we'd like. So we're going the other way now. What um, video games do we think actually would make decent film, decent television that you know we haven't seen done or that we haven't seen done well yet? Mm. Let's start with Jensen to you know, Mix switch up. things up. There well, you just as a reminder. Well, I've already talked about this before, but I couldn't think of another example. So I think that a thief movie that's like a heist movie would be really cool. Like a heist movie that's kind of that sort of weird steampunk style that Thief has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That yes. I think would be really cool. I'm disappointed I didn't think of that. I know. A steampunky high school. I've been wanting a thief movie. Like, actually based on thief. I've been wanting that forever. Yeah. It would just be a heist movie, but set in a sort of steampunk medieval age, and then you'd have Garrett as the main character. And that's really all you'd have to do, and then it would be a really great adaptation. As long as someone who get they, like, whoever directs it isn't an idiot... I think that it could be good. Mm. I think that this, more than maybe some of the other projects that we've got listed here, is one where it would be very important not to stay too close to the games and to like really kind of just have fun with that character and that setting and create a story that would work for the film. Yeah. And Mm. not really worry about, oh, we need to make sure we capture this moment from the game in film. Like, all you do is you make sure Garrett doesn't kill people and you pretty much follow the game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's that's a mistake they make more in anime um, than anything else, I think, where they really get focused on, let's show as many cool moments Mm. that we know the fans love as Mm -hmm. possible, where it's like, no, that's not what we All wanted. I need to we do just is wanted show like a good story. Gary, <laughs> like sneaking into places and stealing things and not killing anyone, and the fans will be like, "Woo, you stuck so close to yeah. it." Also, come up with original cool content. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, and probably have a creepy level. He's such a good <laughs> anti-hero because he's, you know, he's obviously pretty selfish. He steals for a living, but he's always thrust into these situations where basically he has to save the city over yeah. and over again. Yeah. So he's a selfish man who's constantly put <laughs> into situations where he needs to be selfless mm-hmm. and be self-sacrificing, and he steps up yep. when it really matters. Yeah. But then he's like, okay, but I'm going to go back to Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit like Catwoman that way. Yeah. yeah. I'm starting to see a pattern of the characters you identify with, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I love Catwoman. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so mine, I feel, is incredibly obvious, but how long have we been waiting for this guy's a Halo movie? Yeah. yeah. Like, they've done short short films and anime, and I feel like they've done a good job, but it's just not enough for me. Yeah. And Peter Jackson was set to make these Halo movies, and I was like, holy crap, that's going to be amazing. 
Um, but then I think he got sidetracked by The Hobbit. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like we were Which... talking about this movie forever ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's what you have hey, written on your I notes. I love The Hobbit. Oh, done by Peter Jackson Carver Forever ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, I mean, I'm not as into first-person shooters as I was back in the day. Probably just because the older you get, the more you suck at them. <laughs> but, you guys, Halo was my jam. Like, I was amazing at it. And I would go... Yeah. It'd be Guy's Night plus Aaron playing <laughs> Halo. And I would, like, kick the crap out of everyone. And it was fantastic. Yes, um, <laughs> and they're like, who just killed me? I'd be like, I did. <laughs> they're like, what? As sweetly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was <is> that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. But, yeah, I... I don't know how many times I beat that game. I played it over and over and over again, and I had my favorite levels, and I read, like, the little pocket insert, you know? It talks about, like, all of the Covenant aliens and their names and stuff about them. Like, I was was that obsessed. I love reading those things. Yeah. I don't even know how many hours I spent on that game. But all the Halo games were pretty great, so. Yeah. I, I agree. Think, they I think should we definitely need a good make movie. That. They should make a good one, though. I'd be so scared. I feel like that is not a hard one to, like, sit down and just sort of set a really solid story in that universe. Mm-hmm. But they'll still struggle they'll with it. it yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. They'll find a way. Yeah. Some way. <sighs> oh, well. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll get around to it someday. I actually feel like out of all of our suggestions, yours is the one that's most likely to actually be made. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like it, but it's been 18 years, you know, yeah. since the first Halo game. So yeah, I we're think... still waiting. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I think yours is most likely to happen, but I think that mine, if it did happen, would be least likely to suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if it somebody's would be really gonna, easy to do it well. I, agree. I feel like if somebody's gonna get on board with that project, it's gonna be yeah. because they really believe in it and um and want to make it perfect. Whereas ours, mm-hmm. you've got the problem of of potential just cash it grabbing. Really be, yeah, you know. But like, like they took Ant Man, who everyone hates. Ant-Man sucks. And, and then they him. turned it into a heist movie. Into like and one... it was fantastic. Yeah, they did. They turned it into a heist movie. And it's also like... <laughs> Clearly, of... that's what you gotta do when you're worried that yes. something's not gonna work out. <laughs> one of the better Marvel films. <laughs> Just take any video game out there. Make Master turn it Chief. into a heist movie. Make no, the Master Chief a thief. And Cortana's Careful like his idea. AI that yeah. hacks into the system. Oh my gosh, that would be the worst movie. <laughs> <laughs> be Mario Brothers all over again. <laughs> Can we add some ghosts in this? I really would like to see a like a horror anthology series that incorporates a lot of ideas from survival horror games that I've loved over the years. And similar to something like uh, Channel Zero, which did that kind of thing for Creepypasta, I kind of feel like that's maybe one version of this that mm-hmm. has kind of come to mind. But like I said, it sort of changes. Like sometimes I see it as something very sort of serious and dark where like they spend each season sort of mired in one game universe and they tell a very cohesive story with like characters from that universe and then other times I see it as something a little bit more like Black Mirror where it's like the tone and um and the storyline could shift episode to episode like maybe each episode you take like a different 
like small horror game Mm -hmm. and like maybe pt is an episode by itself yeah like where it's like you're depicting just this really short game but it's like Mm -hmm. yeah like you could tight and little or even and you don't even necessarily have to make it like a straight pt adaptation if you were kind of going more of a channel zero route with it where it's like these are more stories that are inspired by these works like anytime you have an episode where it's going to be a man who's stuck in a hallway that just seems to be endless that's going to make people think of PT. Yeah. And, like, if you start throwing in some of those elements of, oh, I need to put this photograph together, even if it's not exactly like it was in the game, people are going to get the reference. And also it's going to take that story and those elements of dread that were so well conveyed to me in PT and and uh, adapt it to film. And I think that would be great. Um, and so, like, sometimes, like I said, I'm picturing it quite serious. Sometimes I'm picturing it, like, very episodic and sometimes I'm picturing it a lot more longer and drawn out and then there's even been some times when I'm just like I'm just going totally crazy with it and I'm like instead of taking it all seriously what if we went super silly and it was like you know it's like Freddy versus Jason or Predator versus Alien or or like the Resident Evil films that you love so much where it's like we're just having a good time and like we're gonna do an episode where I don't know, uh, like the Rose of Rule girls get stranded on an island somewhere and, and Pyramid Head is there. Like, I don't know, just to, to, like, maybe you could just have some fun with it. Like, I've definitely had some some late nights thinking about this idea where I've just been like, why why be so serious about it? Maybe have fun with it. Um, but most of the time I come back around <laughs> after I've had a few hours of sleep and a good meal. And then I realize, no, that would be terrible. Let's please take it seriously. <laughs> wow. But I'm just so starved for some of my favorite, favorite games and shows to be adapted well. Mm-hmm. And I think I give the silly example because I honestly enjoyed that Silent Hill 2 movie. <laughs> it was such a good time. <laughs> what is even going on? <laughs> Sean Bean's back. <laughs> There's like a carousel where all of the all of the carousel creatures are gone and it's just people tied up in like BDSM gear. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Different kind of horror. <laughs> the crap out of it oh yeah okay halloween this is what we're doing (laughs) nice so guys like i love that series and it's so scary and this movie's so ridiculous (laughs) i just really liked it (laughs) so bad it's good yeah definitely 